Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, joined here with my buddy, Sam I am Rodriguez. Here he yes. is, Sam I am, and he he does not like actually like green eggs and ham. So well, I tried them; and they were rotten. I was like, yeah, right. that was the last why they were green. So it's, it's a, a a lesson for you. You know, yes. it, was a, it was a teaching moment, and it worked out great. And uh, Tom Doran's not with us. Oh, I know. So his microphone is sitting empty. Well, and the audience doesn't realize because this is radio what a loss it is to us not be able to see that hair of his. Oh, it's beautiful. It's it's not radio hair. It's TV hair. It is nice. He's wasted on radio. Is all I'm going to say about Tom. He's a handsome man. <laughs> I mean, you know? we're, not, we're not supposed to put you know what, what is it the light under the bushel basket? You well, know? that's right. And you know a bushel <laughs> basket would not fit on his head, so that's not even possible. But that's a whole other issue. Tom is away from us, and he will be back. I'm I'm sure soon. He's actually at an Elvis tribute festival right now and he's uh, he's actually raising in the ranks and degrees of elvis impersonators now they don't call them impersonators they're they're tribute artists and so he's like artists actually I heard yeah it was- well he is he is a tribute arti- artist and he's he's at the point they give him him his his glasses so he has those big shiny uh rhinestone glasses so tom we wish him well we can't wait to see him come back and he's gonna he's gonna sing a few elvis songs for us but we have we have a great show planned Oh, we do, yes. Yeah, we, we, uh, um, Sam Rodriguez has got a new title. I gave it to him today, and that is the Catholic Cafe Random Topic Generator. And uh, <laughs> he came up with this topic and is like, man, we need to talk about the concept of loving versus pleasing. That's a great one. And you know what's interesting is how the Holy Spirit works. And so we happen to be at the same parish this weekend, mm-hmm. and we heard our beloved Father Jolly Sebastian yes. preach. And what did he talk about? The difference between loving and pleasing. <laughs> and that idea had come up before he preached. Yes. And so it's like, that's the Holy Spirit ratifying this. And so we said, okay, we have got to have a conversation about loving versus pleasing. Absolutely. So I guess we have to first like define terms because a lot of people will think like, wait a second, you know, especially like in my parenting or in my, in my work relationships or, or whatever, I have this understanding of loving and pleasing. And, and often those things get conflated. Right. I love you and I want to do good things for you. I want to please you and make you happy. Yes, both on that giving end and on the receiving end. If someone loves me, they're going to please me. Or if I want to love them, gosh, they better be happy with me. Right. And and if you're not pleasing somebody, you don't love them very much. Right. That's their perspective, right? They they see these as as conflated and and, and really is just the, the term, they're interchangeable. And if you stop and think about it, because when you first said this, loving versus pleasing, I was like, whatever, Sam. You know, whatever floats your boat, buddy. If that, help, you know, it's like, then I started going like, you know, that's a good point because I don't always think about the difference. And then you start thinking about it. Then you come up with this whole long list of things that like, yeah, I guess that's a big deal because, of, and, and it may help people. I think our conversation today might, you know, enlighten a few parents who experience mm. this situation. Certainly a few bosses or people who are in charge of other folks. Mm-hmm. You know, and even some people who come to expect things in life, yes. right? We'll call them the rank and file who's like, well, my job is to receive and I'm out here doing this and I just, I earn my wages and I want to be pleased. Right. Right. And so, <clears throat> so I vote for people or I work for people or I choose relationships with people based on whether or not I'm pleased. Yes. And that can be, 
problematic, I guess. Well, it was actually a major problem in my life when I really started. It wasn't until 2011 that I really started focusing on uh, my Catholic faith and mm. really trying to grow in my Catholic faith. Oh, you're Catholic. <laughs> yes. That is awesome. That's good to know. Welcome home. I'm so glad you're here with us. I'm teasing you, Sam. And, well, thank you. And uh, it, it really... It, one of the things that I saw as an obstacle to growth in, in my life or fairly early on, and it took me a little while to grow past it, was that I was a pleaser. I was a people pleaser. Mm. And I got really confused about this difference between every loving time and people pleasing. People have to know, every time Sam sees me, he shakes my hand and gives me a $20 bill. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I like this guy. He must love me. <laughs> so so early on, you recognize yourself as a because you. I mean, it's not bad to please people. Right. Let's just be clear that pleasing people, it's not. I mean, the Lord delights in pleasure and we, yes. we hear that word used in scripture a lot right yes and so pleasure is not bad oh sure per se right but we don't want we don't want to um think that everything is always going to seem happy and joyous and pleasing well love is willing the good of the other as other right, right. and so ultimately it comes down to intentionality and what is your what, what is what is your intention in the activity and in what you're saying the thing that helped me actually was when I was reflecting upon the gospel passage during our Lord's passion, mm. when people were saying to Christ when he was on the cross, pull yourself off the cross and we'll believe you. And that was sort of a lightning bolt moment for me. Cause I realized, wait a second, if Jesus were here to please us, he would have done that. He would have said, Oh, okay, oh, yeah. I'll pull myself off the cross. But then those people would have missed out on the sacrifice that was necessary for the atonement of, our, of right. their sins, and we would have missed out on that too. So ultimately, he knew that what you know to do this toward the good of the other. Mm. He knew what what they need. Yes. I mean, ultimately, he knew what was required of him, what he was doing, and why he was doing it. And if he had done the other, he would have made them all happy if he'd have, if he'd have just gotten off the cross they would have said like yep he is he's god right that's great then they would have gone about their business and said god yeah he lives three doors down the street down there you know he's uh, that carpenter kid you know and they wouldn't have thought anything out of it i i think and ultimately he's he would not have opened the gates of heaven he would not have atoned for all the sinfulness of all of the world for all time because that was ro- re- what was required of him was his total self-gift yes. right and that's what he knew would benefit all of humanity. And if he'd have just been like essentially the latest, you know, magic show. Just taking a bow, jumped off the cross and taking a bow. bow. Yes. Yeah. You know, he would have lived a high life there for a little while. They would have said, like, that's great. That's wonderful. And that, and it's like, that's not what they need. And I, so that's, that's a good example. I, I also think from a, a, a parental aspect mm-hmm. that so many times I, I'm a father of nine and so many times, my wife and I have been tempted to say, you know, this will make them happy. This will make everybody happy. And you stop and think, well, so if I tell my kids for dinner, we're going to have ice cream and popsicles. <laughs> and, and you can only have three Cokes. That's it. Only three cans of soda per dinner. And that may be tough to enforce. But the point is, if, that, if that's what we tell them, they're going to be extremely happy. Because oh, the kids don't know what's good for them. That's right. Well, that tastes good. It's pleasing. Right. 
So isn't that good for them, Sam? Well, I think that there's <laughs> higher goods that... And it, like, the word right. that came to mind, you know, ultimately, with when we were talking about the notion of if Jesus had just jumped off the cross and taken a vow, the word that came to mind was vanity. You yeah. know, that vanity really operates at that surface level, mm. and that God is here for to address the deeper realities of our existence. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He knows us to the core. Yes. He knows what we need. He knows how the plant's going to grow. He knows how the heart's going to swell. He knows what does the trick and certainly um you know just pleasing at that surface level is not going to do it so when you're telling your kids i don't care what you have to eat what you're telling them is ultimately you know what go ahead and be out of shape overweight you know go ahead and be an 18 year old kid with a cardiac arrest you know or whatever be an unhealthy terrible human being be lazy don't worry about mowing the yard don't don't do any of those things and you'd make them all tremendously my dad is so cool you know, my dad does all these cool things. He really loves me because he lets me do anything I want. And I remember as a kid bragging things like that. I, it wasn't true. But you wanted to tell the other kids like, man, I wish, I wish I could live like that. I wish my dad was like him, even though it wasn't always true. We, but we knew what other kids thought. We knew what we thought we wanted. Yes. And what we think we want and what we think other people want is not what we really need. Always. But, you know, a lot of times we, we only hear the term enabling or enabler mm-hmm. in really extreme contexts. Someone has a serious addiction to drugs or gambling, something like that. Yeah. But really, you can have uh, fairly serious enabling happen under really mundane circumstances where, like, as you're describing, if a parent is enabling a self-centered life yeah. for the kid, then... You know, over time, that can really amount to uh, a really tall weeds. Yes, yes. (laughs) You know, rats infested in your house uh, and and no food uh, and high doctor bills. Right. And those are just the practical things. The reality is, they're going to be rotten souls. They're just gonna they're going to wither on the vine because that's not what we're called to do as parents. Right, and they're not going to know why because they yeah. haven't gotten the instruction they needed to know, you know, what it is that they're doing that's rotting their and souls. And sometimes that instruction is not going to be pleasing to them. Yes, you need to go to bed at eight o'clock. You need to do your homework. You need to brush your teeth. You need to eat all your vegetables. And you go down that list, and you think, you know, those are things that kids will tell you. Oh, not again! You know, they don't want that. They think they don't want that. But the truth is, you should know that they need that, and that's what true love is, right? If you love them. You're, you're going to enforce the things that are going to be best for them. You know, the, one of the ironic things about our faith is it's the good news. But Jesus also made clear that it's going to be good news that a lot of people aren't going to want to hear. You know, yeah. like people are going to persecute you for what you're saying to them. And, you know, blessed is he who is persecuted for the sake yeah. of righteousness. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> all the apostles were martyred except for John, who was sent off into a little island. Yes, you know? yes, <laughs> so exactly. Like, you're not going to be everybody's friend. Right. But I've I, I got to be honest with you, looking back at life and going, well, you know, this was good for me. Uh, when, you, when you treat people with respect and you give them the things that they need, truly that they need, especially the kids, they grow to respect and love you because they know, like, I, I can trust that person because they, they want the best for me. Oh, sure. And, or, that, that, yeah. and that's huge. Absolutely. Or when you sit down with a friend, you know, outside the context of, uh, of childhood, uh, child rearing, you sit down with an adult friend who, you know, maybe they're, uh, you know, addicted to pornography or they're doing something that is uh, interfering with right. their marriage in some big way or their relationship with God in some way to actually have the courage to sit down and, and uh, say what God might put on your heart in that moment. 
uh, it could lead to an uncomfortable moment in the friendship, and it could lead possibly to uh, a period of time where you guys aren't really talking as much, you yeah. know, but you have to trust that if God's calling you into that, that it's for that person's good and for your good and ultimately the good of the relationship and his relationship with God. And yours. that is awesome. That is so true. Uh, cause I've been in some of those uncomfortable situations. They're not fun. I mean, and you, cause you could, you'd want to have fun. Hey, wouldn't it be great? We all get together. We have a great time and everything. Everybody's pleased. You know, <laughs> I give great parties. Isn't that wonderful? There's no challenge and there's no, uh, but there's also when there's no challenge, there's no victory, right? There's no, mm. you ultimately don't transform. You don't change. You don't grow. And it's like you get kind of, I don't know, complacent in you, every yeah. aspect of your life. You hit the nail on the head with that. That was absolutely, without, without challenge, there's no victory. That's why I get the big bucks. <laughs> that is why I get the big bucks. So we're going to take a break. We're just a little short break. It's not too long. Uh, my lovely wife is going to talk. But I do uh, want to remind folks at home, we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. With that, we will be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. St. Thomas More was born in London, England in 1478, son of Sir John More, a prominent judge. After receiving a firm grounding in religion and the classics, he decided to follow in the footsteps of his father and pursue a career in law. He studied law at Oxford, where he also continued to pursue his love of Greek and Latin literature. He did well among the elite in the inner societal circles, making many new and influential friends, including both bishops and scholars. But he also became a man torn between his father's world of civil service and his eternal father's world of the church. In fact, he submitted himself to the discipline of the Carthusian monks living at a nearby monastery, and he seriously considered joining their order. St. Thomas's desire for the religious life was finally overcome by his greatly felt calling to serve the common good through governance and politics. But his devotions to prayer, fasting, and penance would remain with him and serve him well the rest of his life. He became a barrister and was soon headed for Parliament where he became known as fair-minded and impartial and a friend to the poor. After several years of successful service, St. Thomas More caught the eye of King Henry VIII. St. Thomas garnered the King's favor and was made Speaker of the House of Commons, then eventually Lord Chancellor. All was going well for St. Thomas when his meteoric rise to prominence came to an abrupt halt. Unfortunately, King Henry sought permission from the Pope in Rome to divorce his wife Catherine of Aragon and marry his new love, Anne Boleyn. St. Thomas, well-versed in church law and devoted to her teachings, knew that the king's sacramental bond to Catherine was indissoluble and refused to endorse the king's plan. When the king severed ties with the universal church and decreed himself to be head of the church in England, St. Thomas More resigned his post. He was eventually imprisoned in the Tower of London, along with his friend John Fisher, the only Catholic bishop who would refuse to acknowledge King Henry VIII as the new head of the church. The two men were tried for treason and put to death within days of each other. Before he was beheaded in 1535, St. Thomas More quietly said, I die the king's good servant, but God's first. St. Thomas More is the patron saint of lawyers. His feast day is June 22nd. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. 
Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back at the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting here with my buddy Sam Rodriguez, and we're talking about the difference between loving and pleasing. So loving versus pleasing. And I think we kind of rattled off a whole bunch of stuff about how we those things are actually different. I guess where we also want to talk about is we kind of left there towards the end of that first segment talking about you know hearing and and essentially channeling being god's instrument in a in a relationship and sometimes you have to deliver hard truths to someone but at the same time sometimes we have a difficulty maybe discerning is that actually god speaking or is that me like in other words i go to somebody's house and i say you know what god this may not please you, but God does not want you to have all to have this big TV, and so I'm going to take this from you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take the uh, you know take the temptation out of your house, put it in my house. But and all this food and all this money, God doesn't you know, and and you know touch your screen and I'll heal you. You know, give me send me your money. No, I, I just I think sometimes we're very willing to say I think God is telling me this, but I think that you've got a problem with this. We have to be very cautious in how we. Oh yeah, how we choose to love another oh that's absolutely right and that's one of the reasons why i was why i said you know it may be that god puts on our heart uh that we have to deliver hard news to somebody but at the end of the day yeah we want to be very careful about just be putting making it our job to police the world and police all of our friends right and Um, you won't have many friends for very long right right and so discernment is necessary and one of the things that's important about discernment and prayer before doing something like that is that it'll help purify your intentions and purify your delivery if you get to a point where okay uh, okay, God, it's still tough to say, right? But I really feel like you're telling me that I need to do it, right? So I'm going to do it. So I think also another thing we can do, and part of that discernment is just to admit to another that look, I'm not an expert at this stuff, right? But there's I keep seeing this over and over, and I keep seeing this theme, and and help me with this. I, I I'm wondering if there's if you have a problem with this, or if there's an issue here, and maybe I'm wrong. But can we just talk about it? Can you just know that I love you and I care about you? And I want to just talk about it because it, I, I think maybe it might be true. But you know what? I may be wrong. And sometimes that comes across way better than, you know what? I've been praying about this and God told me that you've got, you know, ugly shoes and you need to deal with the ugly shoes. Oh, sure. Well, that's a whole different. That's a because one sounds more like, hey, can we do this together? And there's yes. an investment in the friendship or the parenting or whatever. And that's way different than uh, a sort of a judgmental perspective. Well, because it conveys that the love is uh, unconditional. Yeah. And I think also it's not just a matter of what we say as well. It's also how it's it's also how we conduct ourselves yeah. with the people. You know, what sort of activities are we willing to go do? You yeah. know, uh, it might be that we were willing when we were in college to do this or that activity for recreation, but we've gotten to a point in our faith life where. That's something that we'd rather bring to the confessional as opposed to something that we'd like to bring into our regular lives. No, you're exactly right. And, and I think that um, all of that adds up to one thing, and I think the word I'd bring it up to is trust. That when you have a relationship with someone that is, that is based on love and what is best for the other, for that person. So like a parent with a child. Yes. You can tell the child all day long, but if the child doesn't believe that you really love them, yes. then you're not really going to get their full attention. Right. They're not going to trust. If it, and they're based, based on not trusting them. So a friend that you give advice to, mm-hmm. 
right, or that you try to take advice from, right. or that you receive advice from, if there's not a trust in the relationship, then there's not true love, right? That's part of part of love is trust. That I I can be vulnerable. I can trust myself with that person. This is and what they can trust me. Well, this is one of the reasons in the Curcio movement. It's first make a friend, then be a friend, then bring a friend to Christ. Right. Exactly. You're not going in just hey. Uh, we're going to go into this uh, uh, large auditorium and we're going to save everybody. Say this prayer. We're going to save everybody. And I think it's beautiful to want to save everybody. Yes. But you really have to take them on a journey and a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so you can say, hey, say this prayer. Right? Yes. And I'm not beating up on anybody, but the reality is there's got to be a relationship there. Yes. And sometimes if they don't have the relationship with Jesus, they can start with you. And that really is like a relationship with Jesus, right? Because there's a love and a trust there. And so... Uh, it, it's 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 way better to like be their friend to like live in a friendship with them and at that point it's like hey by the way we've been friends and I know you can trust me so I'm going to tell you this and here's what I think the problem is that's what that's way that's received way better than without question. I just met you and you got an issue without but when we find ourselves attached to the friendship where it's oh I couldn't bear to lose this friend yeah and I can't say this or that to them because then I wouldn't get to hang out with them anymore. They wouldn't like me. See, now we get back to pleasing, right? Then we get back into the pleasing. Right, we see of the it. kids with the peer pressure. We see people trying to be hip and cool and the, and, and the go along and the get along culture. We see all of the, the politics of the day uh, and what so often happens um, on all of the social media. And you start to realize that essentially sometimes these are just like words that are cast out and people have these mantras that we have to say and we have to fall into We don't use these words or those words. And you start to realize that the heart and the core of those is not respect and dignity of every human person. It's not trust building. It's not loving. It ends up being the antithesis of love. Using right? it's your, you, if you're, if you're really worried about upsetting your friends by telling them by say, speaking truth and yeah. you're losing your, the friendship. And, uh, and that's the only reason you, you right. don't do it. Uh, and you really feel like, well, I could never really live without this friendship in my mm-hmm. life. Absolutely. Then you're using that person and you're not really, loving or you're them. allowing yourself to be used. Yeah. Right? So I'm not too. getting out of this relationship because it's not good for me, but you know what? It's so hard for me to find someone to be related to, and it's just not easy for me. So I would, I want to hold on to this person, right? And then there's that long hope and pray that 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 person's going to change, right? And they don't because you're. So it's like all these issues, and they all revolve around the difference between loving and pleasing. Yes, right. That and knowing that difference, and you know, some of that comes to us from certainly from what we think pleases and what we think, for instance, like what heaven's going to be like. Oh yeah, I, I think culturally we have this notion that. Well, I loved T-bone steaks all my life, so there's probably going to be bushes where T-bone steaks are growing off of them. And oh, I so hope and, there's a T-bone steak bush. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's not talk about T-bone steaks. Say something else. Donuts, like, donuts. Do, no Jello. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. Because the number of times that I've, I've taught RCI and we talk about heaven, and people say, "Well, what's heaven like? What does the Catholic Church teach about heaven?" It's like, well. You know, it's not. I'll tell you what it's not. What it's not is like a perfect little uh, zero lot line home, right, in heaven, where you, of course, have to do any maintenance. It's very beautiful. And there's no cleaning. And, like, you can eat anything you want. And you can watch all. You have all the cable channels. And you have, like, gift cards to all the best restaurants. It's like, that's not heaven. 
where it yeah heaven is not where god is constantly rewriting reality based on our wants and our fleeting desires exactly because right. he knows what we need and we need him and so heaven is essentially just being in his presence it's a kingdom of love and it's it's uh it's total satiation with god no wants, no desires, no distractions, nothing but the beatific vision. And, and, and that is totally different because if we want to be pleased, yeah, we'd have a heaven with a big cable package and, right. a, and a, an 80-inch TV. Let's not just stop at 60. Let's go to 80. Yeah, right? And you yeah. start thinking, like, what is the best I can? And the best we can conjure up that pleases us is not even remotely what God has in store for us in terms of being totally satiated. Yes, absolutely. A kingdom in which we're all freely choosing to love God and one another perfectly for all eternity. So why why is it so difficult to understand? Why is it so hard to do? Because well, we're talking about stuff in its logical sense. You know, I know this is good for my kids, so I need to do this. Why can't I? Why am I struggling with that? Why do people just go overboard to try to please people? So I think the fact that Christ had to end up dying in order to reveal love to us what that shows us is that love is hard it can be hard and christ stepped right into that reality yeah when i talk to kids like eighth graders and doing a uh, you know a confirmation retreat or whatever and they're talking about martyrdom and saying you know it happens even today and i'm not talking about the kids that get shot in a school or you know in some other country i'm talking about people that stand up and say you know what i'm not going to do that and then they're ostracized by their friends the people right. that they want to be friends with say you're you're not cool you're not going to do you're not going to drink this smoke that do that and so you're no you're no longer cool and that part is hard oh yes to stand up and say this is the right thing to do so in the same way love it can be a total self gift the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. I mean, there's a reason that that line is emphasized a couple of times in the New Testament with respect to Christ. And, you know, our faith tells us that we're sometimes going to get thrown away. We're sometimes going to get rejected. And But the most powerful things that happen, the most transformative events in our life are always when we're broken down. Yes. When we're emptied of all the pride and of all the issues and we just say like okay lord it's all yours and that's when we that's when we are most transformed those in those moments and then you start to understand what true love is yes that even all the sinfulness all the problems all the issues all the things that we conjure up all the things that we do as obstacles to god when we let go of all that stuff it's just amazing now it's like and then we have being loved knowing that we're loved we're you know beloved mm. and then there's pleasure in that certainly Oh my gosh! Yes, so, and that's but that's the kind of pleasure that that leads to joy that lasts, yeah, you know, and that's a beautiful thing. So I wish that for everybody. Understand the difference of loving versus pleasing. Mm. Let's ask Our Lady to intercede on our behalf. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother, Mother of, of God, God, pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now, now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.